The Islamic fasting month of Ramadan is underway, meaning that millions of Muslims in Britain and around the world are required to go nil by mouth from dawn till dusk for up to 18 hours. Now, I've been fasting since I was a teenager, so you could say I'm a bit of a veteran. Ramadan gives me an opportunity to re-establish my covenant with God and to be mindful of others. But although fasting comes with plenty of spiritual highs, there's also first world challenges. And while many people may know of someone who observes Ramadan, how many actually understand its significance and what it really entails? I'm Majid Majid and you are listening to Things Unseen, the programme for people who think there's more to life than the material world. In this special Ramadan edition, I'll be joined by a panel of fasting experts to answer some of the burning questions that people may sometimes feel afraid to ask, including some from you, our listeners. We'll be unpacking all you need to know about the spiritual ritual and share our personal reflections. And joining me in the studio today, we have got comedian Taz Ilyas, <laughs> Hifsa Haroon Iqbal, a civil servant who represents the Queen as a deputy Lord Lieutenant of Staffordshire, and Anita Nayer, who is a convert to Islam and a vegan. First and foremost, guys, welcome and Ramadan Mubarak to everybody. Har Mubarak. <laughs> so just to kick things off, how has Ramadan been going for you guys so far? Good. Yeah. I'm enjoying good. it. Yeah, pretty straightforward. It's been nice. Yeah. So what would you say, Tez, is the significance of Ramadan? Why do Muslims all around the world fast? I think it comes down to three things. Sacrifice, spirituality and sharing. Um, so sacrificing those uh, things you take for granted in your everyday life, food and water being the prominent ones, but also thinking about spirituality as well and trying to be a better person and, and praying more and connecting yourself with God in a more meaningful way and getting out of bad habits that you might have fallen into, such as telling little white lies or talking behind people's backs or little things that you think maybe mm. maybe in my life could do without those, those things. And then also the spirit of sharing and bringing the community together. This is the month that I give my zakat in and I know the, the amount of charity raised for great causes during Ramadan is just... Magnificent. So what is zakat? Uh, every Muslim who is able to, it gives 2.5% of their wealth to charity. And that could be, like, to be a lot. Yeah, so it could be anything like if you've got, if you've got 100 pounds left over, then that's £2.50. Or if you've got 100 grand, that's 25 grand. Or if you've got a million, that's 25 grand. So yeah, it's a, it can be a significant amount and it's, uh, it's distributed amongst the needy. So would you uh, agree with the significance of what Tether said, Anita? So I also really find that the spiritual aspect of Ramadan is really, really important. So it's a time for me when I find that I reconnect to my faith. So it's a month of the Quran as well. Um, and so... Can you say that again? The Quran. <laughs> the Quran. <laughs> That's a great pronunciation. Bring me to shame. <laughs> Quran comes from Qira'ah in Arabic, which means to read or to recite. Um, and it was in the month of Ramadan that the Quran first came to the Prophet Muhammad when he was meditating in a cave. Um, and the angel Gabriel came to him and gave the first five lines uh, of what we now know as the Quran in a chapter we call Al-Alaq, which means like the blood clot, which is a reference to where we as humans come from. So the God reminds us in these verses, he says to the Prophet Muhammad, recite in the name of your Lord who created you from a simple blood clot. So so we're kind of reminded of our origins as humans in this world, um, but given a book that's come from the other world. So it's a really nice time to reconnect with that book. And Hifsa? I am considerably older than the you three guys in here. And you sort of find that you get so wound up in your daily lives, you know, worrying about things and going to work and worrying about children, things that actually 
we shouldn't be quite so concerned about. So for me, the whole month of Ramadan, we call it a blessing. It is a blessing because it is a time for us to reconnect with those things that really do matter. You're 100% <coughs> hissed, right, in the sense of it is this whole mind, body and soul, everything basically, you're recharging your batteries, exactly. you're reconnecting with family and like friends and so many other things. So it is a really special moment of the year and I think, I, for one, I'm sure many Muslims are always look forward to it as well. Absolutely. So, of course, there's going to be a lot of non-Muslims listening and they're all just kind of thinking, what are the rules? What can you do? What can't you do? Does everybody have to fast? Shall we do one each? Yeah, go on, yeah, go on. Okay. You're not allowed to eat. <laughs> not everyone has to fast. Uh, typically, women at the time of the month don't fast. Pregnant women don't fast. Diabetics don't fast. I thought we were going to go, I thought we were going to go, you can't eat, you can't drink, you can't smoke. I think I just ruined Ramadan for Ted. So, so finish what you were saying, Anna. Those are the, broadly the rules of people who can't fast. and they Old can people. Either, old people. And people who are travelling. And travellers, yes. Yeah, I nearly forgot that one. One question I get asked is, can you brush your teeth? Because, of course, you can't eat or drink. So, Tez, do you brush your teeth? You know what? I brush my teeth and after I stopped eating, but before the fast closes, Interesting. I brush my teeth and then I don't brush them in a wake up. But why? Because I was told that you can't brush your teeth while you're fasting. Culturally, at least, that's what I've been told, that you're not allowed to brush your teeth. Anita, have you, 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 you heard the same thing? I, I actually put a tweet out um, a couple of days ago saying, please remember, <laughs> if you're fasting, the, the breath of the, the fasting individual may be sweet to God, but it's not very sweet to everybody God. else around you. <laughs> Um, but like you, I grew up and we were sort of told, you mustn't brush your teeth. And the Prophet used to clean his teeth using miswak. Yeah. So miswak is, uh, what is miswak? Miswak is, is a twig from a tree. Yeah. But the concept was about making sure your breath didn't smell. And I'm sure, well, I'm sure, um, I would think that 1,450 years ago, if the Prophet had access to a toothbrush and toothpaste, instead of the miswak, he'd probably have used it for the very same reason. Do you know, it's interesting because majority of scholars actually yeah. agree that you can brush your teeth. Yeah. And it's like, I, that's something I never heard. And of course, it'll be interesting, I guess, for whatever different culture that you're from, that you grew up in, yeah. there'll be different rules for different yeah. cultures. That's and exactly like, what I was thinking. Because yeah. yeah. when I became Muslim, and so when I first started fasting and I heard this rule, I was like, uh, no way, <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm brushing my teeth. So I've never done it. So do you guys ever fast outwardly? In other words, is there ever a temptation to cheat? And if you do, do you think God minds? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why would you do it if you're going to cheat? Yeah. Because yeah. you're cheating yourself on God. Like, I'm thinking, like, if you don't want to fast, don't fast, innit? We fast because it is an instruction in the Quran. Um, I don't fast because of what Tez might say or what Anna yeah. might say if I say I'm not fasting. The fast is between me and God. So if I'm cheating, I'm only cheating God. I guess some people may kind of would argue the fact that, well, this is as much as I can do. If people can't do it for whatever reason, then that's between them and God. That's fine. Mm, exactly. So, so you came to the UK when you were a baby. Mm, How has Ramadan changed in the UK over the years? I grew up in Leeds um, when I was a child in, in quite a large family. I'm the youngest of, of six. And I can remember as, as a child going to um, the mosque every evening with my mum and with my sisters. And it used to be um, the most wonderful atmosphere. I think what has changed for a lot of people is the way of life that's become a lot more fast-paced. Technology has changed. 
I was never tweeting you know, a <laughs> Ramadan diary when I was 20 years old because we certainly didn't have access to mobile phones and, and that type of technology. So let's be honest, 18 hours of fasting is a really, really long time, mm. right? Is it healthy or is it unhealthy? Where does it, where does it fall? Depends on the person because some people can't do that long fast and there are opinions um, that say that you can do shorter fasts. Do you mean the Mecca hours? So, yeah, the Mecca houses, Osama Hassan rewrote an opinion, which was a few hundred years old, um, that applied to Europe, saying when we're in the summertime, there's actually, there's no night, just twilight. So he makes this argument then for so shorter hours using Mecca hours. Would it not be easy if everybody in the, the whole world just stuck to the same hours, regardless of where they are? No, no. and I'll tell you why, not. <laughs> why. Because in the Quran, it says we have split you to tribes and different people, nations and tribes, so you may know one another. And part of that comes with that diversity and the way that we practice that, that we practice worldwide. I want to add to that as well. Yeah. That there's a massive spiritual element uh, that's at play in the fact that you start at sunrise and you finish at sunset. So not only is Ramadan like a lunar month, lunar month being less predictable, you have to be more in touch with nature and what's going mm. on to even know it's Ramadan. But actually when you're actually in that month and you're fasting, you're tracking the day, you're tracking the rise of the sun and the fall of the sun, not only in when you start fasting and finish, but when the prayers are. I think then when you start to play with hours and go to more technical hours, you're almost moving out of that more spiritual attachment to God's creation and you're moving back into the more worldly realm of things that we as humans have kind of used to manage God's creation so it takes you away from the spirit of of the month definitely so we put a request on social media for people to send in their questions to you guys jamila tweets and asks on twitter why do some muslims have different ideas or rules on when the ramadan fasting starts and ends who decides when ramadan starts because apparently there's a moon sighting committee so there's two schools of thought i think in britain one is you generally follow when saudi starts so Saudi will start and then everyone goes like, okay, well, Saudi started, they must know. And whereas my, the school of thought I belong to follows the newest Muslim country, which happens to be Morocco. And so we go with whenever Morocco so, say it's Ramadan or Eid. Does it really matter, Anna? I don't think so. So actually, my husband and I both belong to Tez's school of thought, but I follow my mosque and my husband goes to a different mosque because I just find it easier to follow my mosque. So my mosque goes with Saudi. I started on the Monday. My husband goes to another mosque. They started on Tuesday. So he started But then, then. this will become a problem on Eid, though. So what if you do so Eid on, on Eid, different days? So on Eid, actually works out really well because what we do on Eid, because we're both converts, um, we support other converts. Some have are doing Eid on the same day as me. Some are doing Eid on the same day as him. So we just spread our time. So, okay. yeah, it actually Very works nice. out quite well. So, Hifsa, you are a mother and a grandmother too. And I imagine you have a lot of mouths to feed at home. Do you get hungry when preparing suhoor, which is a pre-dawn meal, and iftar as well, which is the fasting meal? How do you deal with it? You don't actually feel hungry. When you are fasting and you are preparing food for other people, you do not feel hungry. I certainly don't. I think it's that, that issue about mind over matter. You know, you, you, you are in a very specific space during the month of Ramadan, um, mm. and you do not f- you can you can put as much food around you as you want, yeah, yeah, yeah. and you don't feel hungry. I, I can completely understand. Yeah. So, Anita, what is a vegan Ramadan like? So, yeah, in many ways, I guess like my diet is the same as it usually is. I just eat at the same time as, as everyone else who's fasting. So, if I was going to go into the mosques, for example, which in my area tend to be run uh, mostly by Pakistani community, um, meat's a very big kind of staple of that diet. Um, so, I will usually bring something else along to share with other people that I've made that's vegan. 
Um, but actually, as the years have gone by, I've noticed other people are bringing in vegan dishes as well. So there is more like awareness of um, uh, the rights of animals, really, in Islam that's developing as a result of a few of us who've gone vegetarian or vegan and then bringing these vegetarian dishes to the fast breaking. See, for me, samosas are a big deal. I don't eat samosas any other time during the year. Like, that's mad, isn't it? Two years ago, I actually thought, Do you know what, I'm just going to try a vegetarian Ramadan. And... Honestly, my mum just didn't understand the concept of a vegetarian. And a so it's like, whenever she was cooking, and just take the meat out. She's like, what do you mean? There was literally a lot of stigma around it. It was like, what's wrong with you? Like, do you get discriminated against? What I often get is mums covering their kids' ears. Stop from law. God forbid. That is so funny. <laughs> if somebody will ask me over, like, you know, you have these long tablecloths for iftar with loads of people <laughs> down them. Someone will ask me why I'm vegetarian or vegan. And I'll start explaining it and I'll explain, you know, what's happening to animals in industrial farming and how the Prophet Muhammad wouldn't have treated animals in this way. And you see mums then getting really edgy and some of them literally put their hands over their kids' ears because the kids are getting ideas about, like, going vegan. And these mums these mums are probably just like, I ain't, I ain't changing all that. Interesting, your husband is not a vegan. No. So in terms of when you are opening your fast together, yeah. how does that logistics work? Like, does he cook for himself? Do you cook for yourself? Or no, do you he just... doesn't mind vegan food at all. He's English, so that's like a part of his diet is like cheese, cheese. is really important, oh, butter's yeah, really important. important. So he'll put that alongside the vegan food when we break fast. So it actually works out. So Harry Wright <laughs> on Facebook asks, how do you cope with the shortage of vitamins, supplements in a typical vegan diet? I'm sure you've got a lot to say in that. <laughs> Yeah, it's like... a vegan podcast. Yeah. Not, just, <laughs> no, no, no. This. Honestly, it's just I really did, fascinating. I'm really happy with the way this is going. Um, when you start off on a vegan diet, you kind of look into the nutrients that you need and you realise that actually most of it's there in a vegan diet. So you have protein in beans, you actually have more protein than you do in a lot of meats. The main thing that you miss in a vegan diet is B12, but you can pick that up in like flax seeds, you often have it added to um, vegan milks, um, cereals. So actually you, you really don't miss out on that. You just need to do your research when you... Um, become vegan or if you're trying it out um, and just look at what foods replace what nutrients. So, Tez, as a comedian, does fasting impact your creative flair? I don't change many of my habits when it comes to writing and stuff. There, there have been times, though, where I've had to break my fast on stage. OK. So that's happened <laughs> when, you know, you get, you get booked for all sorts of gigs, a lot of mainstream gigs in comedy clubs, and I've gone on stage with a glass of water and I said to someone in the audience, can you let me know when it's 9.14? Yeah. And they kind of look at me like, all right. And then at 9.14, you see someone's hand going, oh, you told me to let you know it's, it's 9.14 now and let's go and have my glass of water. And I'm like, oh, by the way, I was fasting. And then they give you this like really patronising round of applause. <laughs> wow. I'm like, you don't have to patronise me, it's fine. Wow. There was one year where I was at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. That was tough. It was mainly tough because I was away from home. So with Ramadan comes this amazing community spirit, which I didn't have when I was in Edinburgh on my own. It's interesting because, like, during the month of Ramadan, there is this need or wanting to have some sort of belonging in the sense of you want to be part of a community. And it's like, honestly, like, you see friends rekindling relationships, people are more in touch with their wider community, and just people are just a bit more kinder, wanting to kind of get together, which I think is just something that I feel at times isn't talked about or kind of focused enough, which I think is yeah, yeah. one of the many beauties in I, I've seen arguments broken up going, you're fasting, brother, and they're going, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm on, I. And then they just kind of go, all right, it just, just dissipates the anger. So, Hifsa, as someone who represents the Queen in your respected county of Staffordshire, mm. when on duty, like, 
do you think your fasting needs are accommodated by your work colleagues or the events that you're doing? Where so I that's was, what this means. What do you do? It's an honorary position. Um, so I am a Deputy Lord Lieutenant of Staffordshire. The Lord Lieutenant is a representative of the Queen. So Her Majesty the Queen cannot be everywhere. So she has representatives in different counties huh. who, when she's invited to things, or they may directly invite the Lord Lieutenant, he can't always go to everything, so he will then nominate one of his deputies. There's no reason for them to, to try and accommodate things differently for me. I'm the one that's fasting out of choice. I didn't have any difficulty in saying to them, um, no, it's OK, I don't want a cup of tea. I am fasting. And after that, they were absolutely <laughs> fine. You know, what, you, know, you know what I find, like, when you tell people, when people offer you some food um, and, and then you tell them you're fasting, they just get mortified. Like, I hate seeing that look on their faces, like, you're not the one who's fasting, right? You're not the victim here, just chill out. Or they just keep forgetting and they keep offering yeah. you something like, no, I'm, I'm fasting. Oh, God, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. Yeah. yeah, and they'll pick it up yeah. anyway. Well, that wasn't my experience when I first started fasting with my mum because yeah. she was just like, she didn't have any time for it. She was like, no, you're not fasting, stop being stupid. I first started fasting when I was living in Paris and she came over to visit me. She was like, no, but we're going for crepes now, so you can't be fasting. <laughs> stop that fasting, stop it. Any of you suffer from Ramadan brain? Uh, I don't know. What's I think I probably then, do. I think, like, yeah, that was <laughs> from an yeah. <laughs> I guess basically it's when you're kind of just slowing down a bit and not being able to kind of concentrate. And like, of course, like naturally, if you're working long hours and you're doing something that's going to be a bit... Uh, yeah, definitely. Sense. I think we all do. I mean, yeah. your body isn't getting the fuel it's normally used to. So it's I think not, it's just natural. It's just amazing how your body quickly adjusts. Of course, the first couple of days, like, your body goes into shock, like, what is this? Like, why am I not getting what I need? And then yeah. naturally, you'll just be like, oh... So we've just got another question via Twitter from Thought This Tani, who asks, what do you say when people say to you, not even water? I just tend to laugh now. Yeah, it's <laughs> become a bit of a meme. You know what, it's just like the same people ask the same question every year. and We've had this discussion already, Steve. Yeah. <laughs> the reason I think they ask that question is because just a shock, like well, yeah. not even water. Like, yeah, no, not even water. Yeah, yeah. People so get shocked about Yeah, They can't comprehend Sometimes it. Sometimes um, I say... But I can have Ribena. Yeah, there was a dispensation in the Quran for Ribena. So has Ramadan become a marketing opportunity? Say a party month? Restaurants, supermarkets and fast food places do Ramadan deals encouraging people to stuff themselves once the sun goes down. Is that part of the fun or completely missing the point? I don't know if you've ever been to any of these iftar buffets in restaurants. You know, it's heartbreaking the amount of food that you see you wasted. Yeah. Um, you know, absolutely fine for you to enjoy your iftar, eat as much as you want, but don't waste it. And it's the waste, I think, that as Muslims, you know, we yeah. really need to sort out. Yeah. Especially, you're thinking about the month of Ramadan, people who are less fortunate than we are and then, like, we're just being a bit gluttonous. Mm. Let's be honest, your eyes get bigger than your we, belly. I mean, we're, yeah. we're very privileged. Yeah, massively. The other thing is, like, you know, Ramadan's not just about the food. It's coming back to the principles of your religion. We need to be thinking about things like how much are we maintaining the other principles the Prophet, peace be upon him, taught us. I'm really liking these iftars I'm seeing, which are like the plastic-free iftars. Um, oh, wow. So so you ask Take people to bring it. their own dishes. Oh, brilliant. And then they just serve themselves, they bring their own dishes, they go home and they wash them, and it's a just much more sustainable way of and doing... And I just think it's so important breaking. to get that message. So in terms of Eid, Eid al-Fitr to be precise, which is a festival that marks the end of Ramadan. How do you guys celebrate it in terms of like you celebrate with your family, friends, of course, but do you have any specific like family traditions that you guys do 
We have a community tradition. One of the things that we started um, a few years ago when I was working at the university, I was very conscious of Muslim students, international Muslim students, didn't have any family over here. They'd go do their Eid prayers and then they would go back to, to university. So there are about half a dozen of us in the community who will each prepare um, a big dish. And the idea is that when the community gets together for their Eid prayers, we then have a community breakfast together to continue sort of that that whole bonding experience that we've had during Ramadan as well. Mm. That's really nice. So so my family, we um, wake up really early, go to Eid prayers at the mosque, then we come home and put put on our glad rags. And because we might have two glad rags, we might have one for the mosque. And then, so it's like your eastern ones and then your western ones that you put on afterwards. We have a, a big dinner at home and, and then we just take turns going to various relatives' houses and you give money to kids. I remember that year when it transitioned from me getting money to, to having to give money. That was a pain for me. I did not enjoy that Eid. Tough transition. Yeah. What about you, Anita? We actually have a really nice community um, uh, Eid tradition as well. So we have Eid prayers in the park in the centre of Peterborough. There's a picnic afterwards. And then what we tend to do is we'll host um, other converts at our house. So we'll actually do an afternoon tea party. So we'll bake cakes, people will bring their own cakes, we'll have tea. And then we just sit in the garden and picnic all afternoon and it's really nice. That's really really nice. So, Anita, how did you find fasting rules firstly as a new Muslim? How was that experience? So I actually converted in my last year of college. I remember my first year of fasting, actually, because like, I look back now and I'm like, you were so pathetic. <laughs> it was the easiest fast. It was in the middle of December, so the fast oh, for only like days. eight hours. <laughs> I struggled. So I was on my gap year and I was working for this law firm. And I just remember like, I got to like two o'clock every day and I was like, can I have lunch yet? Can I have a cake yet? By five o'clock, which is when the fast finished, I was like starving and I was stuffing my face and it only lasted three days. I take it, is it a case of literally just practice makes perfect? Like, does fasting get easier with time, would you say? I grew up having to do fast during the winter months and it was just such a sense of achievement having fasted. And I look back and they're going, that was nothing. Hey, you knew nothing. You basically missed lunch. Yeah, right? that's, that's yeah, all that's, that's happened. <laughs> do you know what's interesting? The secondary school I went to was, we used to have a high proportion of Muslim students. And we used to get free lunch at school. But what they used to do was, they used to literally put things in like doggy bags, like sandwiches and your drinks. Oh. And then, so when by the time it was home time, and then you just open your iftar on the way home. Yeah, yeah. It's funny, I remember my eldest son must have been about nine. He was insisting on fasting. And I said to the head teacher, I said, look, if he's if he's looking unwell, if, he's, if he needs water, give him a drink. Don't worry about the fact that he's fasting. And I went to pick him up and he came running out to the car and he was so excited. And he said... The cook saved me a hot meal and two chocolate puddings. So when it was time for him to open the fast, the headmistress actually took him to the kitchen and they gave him a hot meal. And he was so excited. Wow. It's really nice when schools are supported by that. We're so lucky we live in this country because I know other places in Europe where they don't have that sort of support. You know, for all the The things that we say, you know, um, Britain is an incredibly tolerant country. It's not just tolerant. Like, I think people get involved here. So I've lived obviously in Belgium, I've lived in France. And there are many things I love about those countries, but I couldn't wait to come back to England as a Muslim and as a minority. When you're here, you're part of a patchwork of minorities. People get involved in what you're doing. They're interested. It's not just about tolerating. It's like actually we get to know each other. As a Muslim, I mean, there's a lot of work to do still and things aren't perfect, but this is the best country to be a Muslim in in probably the whole world. 
No, I'm, I'm including including many, many Muslim countries. So Hassan Wahid asks on Twitter, Muslims with mental health issues are exempt from fasting. Do some people fast anyway because they worry about what their community may think if they don't? There will be an element in the community that behaves probably in a way that they shouldn't, which probably means that people judge each other in the way that they shouldn't and people are harming each other in a way that they shouldn't be. Not every disability or struggle is visible. Um, and so if people can't see that, sometimes they will leap to a judgment when, when they perhaps shouldn't. I think one of my bugbears for many years has always been asking another Muslim if they are fasting, because so, ultimately yes, you absolutely. fast for God, yeah. not for your next-door neighbour or the person who you're working with. Yeah. I don't think I've ever asked another yeah. Muslim whether they are fasting or not. Yeah. Jamila tweets asking, what is your favourite thing about Ramadan? Is there a specific thing? I know it's hard to kind of pinpoint down to one thing, but say if there was like one thing that you basically love about Ramadan, what would it be? One thing I love about Ramadan is the level you go to in your prayer. So when I'm not in Ramadan, I'm quite often like just knocking off the prayers and I don't even know what I've said most of the time, like I have to admit it. Um, but during Ramadan, I actually feel like you remember that you're in front of your creator, right? And you connect with God. So I think that's it. And just coming back to the Quran again. It's a fundamental part of the faith, isn't it? Mm. What about you? So what's one thing? During the month of Ramadan is the one time in the year I actually do get to read my um, nighttime prayer, my tahajjud prayer. Mm. Um, and that is something I love doing when I get up in the morning before uh-huh. I go down. What about you, Tez? What's um, one thing? Mine is, you know, when you have the either the community iftars or the iftars get-togethers with your friends and stuff, like the one or two days in Ramadan where you're like, oh, we're all going to get together and, and do iftar together. I love those days. Those are really special to me. What about you? For me... You know, honestly, I think my favourite thing about Ramadan is just eating with people. We share off the same plate. I just love literally just eating off the same plate together. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's just that aspect of literally just communal eating together, which is definitely my favourite thing. But you eat all the samosas. Yeah, I think that's like a <laughs> standard rule among no, my I've friends. No, I've had to go gluten-free recently and it's just a bane of my... I mean, it's made me healthier, I think, but just, yeah, I've had to knock off any pastries, which a samosa is, it's hard. So hot. Cinnamon well. And I love pizzas and burgers and stuff. Wow. It's just it's tough, man. So Bex Lewis on Facebook asks, when or where is a good opportunity for people of other faiths to join in during the month of Ramadan to fast and learn more about it? Great question. Yeah, it's a really good question. Uh, there is the Open Iftar, which is run by the Ramadan Tent Project, and they run these big open tents. Uh, they've got one in London in Tavistock Square near Soas, uh, but they've also got them around the country. So if you Google Open Iftar, you'll get to their website and find out where they are. And then every single evening, they invite people from the community, both Muslim, non-Muslim, rich, poor, including homeless people, and they provide this meal for them. And there's often talks there as well. Also, mosques is a really good place to go to because yes. it's all across Sheffield. And in honesty, every mosque is open. You do sometimes see people who are from non-Muslim backgrounds just coming in during the month of Ramadan and wanting to kind of see how they can kind of get involved in it and whatnot. So It's worth checking out in your local area. There'll definitely what? be some sort of... Yeah. Even like, like societies like... The, are really, really common now. Yeah, you'll I find think, something. I think the important thing to say is that if there is a Muslim community um, around you, there will be somewhere they, that you can go. In, in Stafford, for example, we have a community of Dar every Friday. But if you have a Muslim friend and you want to go and experience the fast and you want to experience the iftar in the evening, just ask them. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Most yeah. Muslims would be more than happy yeah, to extend an invitation to you. So, guys, what is one piece of advice that you would give someone thinking of fasting for the very first time? It's a practical advice. Ooh. Hydrate yourself. Yeah. I would say 
another practical thing would be oats for breakfast because they keep you going through the day. Slow energy release. Yeah. Good shout. And certainly don't eat anything too salty in the morning because otherwise you will make yourself incredibly thirsty throughout the day. And I would say do it on a day where you know you're going to be busy. Yeah. Because the less busy you are, the more you will think about the fact that you're hungry and thirsty. So, guys, we're almost coming to the end of the show. But before we sign off, let me just ask you guys one last question. So, during this month of Ramadan, of course, there's a lot of things that we want to achieve and get out of it. But what are your Ramadan reflections so far? For me, it's that that sense of sacrifice and being grateful for things that I have and and checking my own privilege and realising that... Actually, at any point during the day, I can go and have something to eat. And there's people around the world who, outside of Ramadan, any time during the year, that is not their reality. Mm. Well, you need to. I think the main reflection for me is that throughout the year, sometimes you can forget like the importance of the ethics in your faith. Um, and Ramadan's a really good time to get away from the day to day and just reconnect with the cycles of nature. Oh, you have so. Um, Last month, I went to Nepal with Oxfam and I met women who were having to carry 25 litres of water four times a day on their back to have access to clean water. Um, My reflection would be be grateful for small mercies. Mm. Be grateful for that that tap that you open that gives you, you know, that quenches your thirst. And actually use that 18 hours during the day um, to think about, some of the things that we do have access to that we so take for granted. Definitely. I think for myself, I guess it's a month that I really hold quite sacred. Of course, it's trying to get closer with God, but also just with family as well, family and friends. You get those messages where people are like, listen, forgive me if I've said any kind of wrongdoing mm. or whatnot. And it's a really kind of great time to have those reflections mm. and whatnot. But also it's just this massive like kind of sense of gratitude that I feel, definitely. So, guys, and thank you to my guests, Tez Ilyas, Hifsa Harun Iqbal and Anita Nea for joining me in sharing their nuggets of wisdom. I'm Majid Majid and you've been listening to the Ramadan edition of Things Unseen, the programme for people who think there is more to life than the material world. Things Unseen is brought to you by CTVC. And you can hear this programme again and find other editions of Things Unseen at www.thingsunseen.co.uk.